Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. We're looking at this idea of being spiritually grown. Uh, a disciples who are gathered together and who are learning to be uh, those who are setting our roots deep in the life of Jesus. The idea is that we're much like a tree growing up in the Lord. Uh, different paces, different places, uh, some who are just early on in their growth and learning what it means to follow Jesus, others who have uh, been growing for some time, but, but everyone still needing and longing for that growing, to be those who are bearing fruit, as scripture would say. That's really our calling, not just to bear fruit in one season of life, but as we grow and mature in Jesus Christ, that we continually bear fruit. Our lives show the life-giving experience of be, having been with Jesus. And, and the way that we get there is by abiding or remaining with him. The portions of scripture that we've been looking at are out of John chapter 13 through 17. And in this message, we're going to focus in on John chapter 17. And it's a portion where Jesus is praying for the disciples. Uh, he's in this time where he's uh, been you know, with them, discipling with them, traveling the roads, uh, healing the sick, uh, preaching about the kingdom of God. And they've been a part of that. They've been walking with him from town to town, experiencing this kingdom of God lifestyle uh, with him. And all of that is about to change. Uh, they have just finished the Passover meal, John 13 and into 14. And he's done some teaching already. And uh, he's, he's preparing for this time where he's going to go to the cross. They've moved out of the upper room and the house where they shared the Passover meal. Uh, he's made his way to the garden where he's going to pray and ask the Father to remove the cup of suffering, the cup of the cross. But he ends up saying in that moment, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so this is the pathway that he's leading the disciples on. He's, his final message here in John 13 through 17, he's giving them final instructions before he departs. And his, his desire, his passion, over and over, he communicates this idea of he wants them to remain. He wants them to stay with him through all of the things they're going to experience, to not get lost in all these circumstances in the world that they'll face, the trials, the hardships, uh, to not get lost in pursuing these tangent pathways that we talked a little bit about that in the last message that we could get lost in this pathway of liberalism or conservatism, but we want to be biblical. And so Jesus is really reinforcing these ideas. Remain with me. He would plead with the disciples, remain with me. Even when I'm gone, even when I'm not present with you, remain with me. And, and this is our calling as well followers of Jesus to stay with him. Stay with him as we go through all that we experience in life, even when we don't see where he's at, to not take off on our own way, but to abide, to stay close in scripture, in prayer, in fellowship, and in the spirit, that we would remain with him through all of our lives. Well, I'm going to uh, get us to, to focus on this idea in John chapter 17. We're going, going to turn there and 
and look at the, that long passage. In fact, we're going to read all of John 17. The whole thing is a prayer. And so we're going to have a long portion of scripture I'll read through. But uh, as with any prayer, I certainly don't want to interrupt it or break it up. And so that's why we're going to read the whole, the whole thing. So let me uh, begin with prayer and then we'll read from John chapter 17. Lord, we're so grateful for your prayer and it leads us uh, to understand what your request is for the Father for us. Um, you're so on point in this prayer. You're so directed as you lead in prayer. And so we, one, we want to receive what you're praying and two, we want to follow the pattern of what you're praying for. And so Lord, we just pray that in this time as we open the scriptures that uh, you would uh, help us to be in agreement with you as we uh, read and listen to your prayer for us, for those dis early disciples, but also for us. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for this time in your word, how it blesses us and it strengthens us. In Jesus' name, amen. John 17, uh, verse 1 through verse 26. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Wow, there's so much there in Jesus's prayer. And, and uh, you know, I think about when we pray or somebody offers to pray for us, we're so thankful because we know that God hears those who pray, those who call out to him. So prayer is not some just spiritual aspiration or practice that we do, some exercise that we hope something might happen but we really believe we're convinced and and we just fully are firm in this idea and belief that god hears us when we pray he's not distant he's not deaf to our calls but god is looking all over the earth for those through whom he can show himself strong and he responds when we pray and so we're thankful when others pray for us because we're confident in god's ability to both hear and answer in prayer so I think about that when we come to John 17, I think about Jesus and his praying. In, in this instance, I'm not only confident in God's ability to hear and respond to Jesus's prayer. I mean, I am totally confident in Jesus's ability to pray the right things and to pray completely on point with what God the Father desires. And when I say pray the right things or to pray on point, what I mean is that in our human capacity, our human fallenness, we have the uh, ability within ourselves, the, the default, to maybe pray with wrong motives or wrong attitudes or wrong thoughts or appetites that in some ways we might not be aligned to what God thinks about something, but we're just praying out of our own personal desires and I may not be praying what I should be praying. And, and so it can happen in my life, and I would imagine in yours at different times, it's possibly happened where you started out praying for something, but then over a period of time, your prayer changed because you realized the thing that you were praying for in the beginning wasn't really the thing that you felt like you should be praying about, that maybe God had worked over a period of time or even in a moment that he redirected your thoughts, your attitudes, your appetites, so that you were praying differently by the end of the prayer than the beginning of the prayer. And so in this idea, I'm just thinking that it's, it's praying in alignment with the Father, and Jesus did this perfectly. Jesus spoke what the Father spoke to him, and of course he prayed as he was led to be in union with the Father. And so there's a lot of ways that we can learn to uh, and grow into this experience of praying in alignment with the Father. And I, we'll get to in just a moment Jesus's prayer, but I wanna begin with this idea of praying in agreement with what God wants. Because I think sometimes we, as followers, as Christians, we, we're, we 
don't pray as, as often because we're not sure what to pray or we don't, we don't know if we're praying about the right thing. And so it's important that, you know, this process of me praying and waiting and praying and waiting and until I discern what it is more clearly, what it is that I should be praying. I get clarity because the Holy Spirit understands what it is that I should be praying for. And he begins to lead me in this prayer process. And, and so this is spoken about in Romans 8, 26 and 27. A real uh, pretty well-known verse where it talks about the Spirit's role in our prayers. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So this, is, this should be so assuring to us. This is, should be, be such a confidence builder for us because this scripture teaches that the Spirit intercedes really on point because he prays for the saints according to what it said is he, according to the will of God. The Spirit prays according to the will of God. And this is fantastic because we, we know just from a previous you know, couple chapters ago, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father and the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be with you and he will be in you. And, and so this, these two thoughts, both that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us and that the Holy Spirit prays aligned with Father God, these two things connect together and just should be like dynamite in our spirit. It should just help us come alive that we, because the Holy Spirit is in us, have the ability and, and ready access for us to pray in agreement with what God wants, pray with the will of God. So I, I wanna begin, again, we'll get to Jesus's prayer in a moment, but I wanna begin with three ways that you and I as followers of Jesus can discern what the Spirit is praying and we can join with him in that and so that we can be praying in accordance with the will of God. So the three ways uh, are uh, that we pray with the Holy Spirit is praying for indifference. We pray with a spiritual language or a spiritual tongue, and we can pray using divine insight. So let me break these down one by one. The first is praying for indifference. And, and this idea comes from Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, indifference does not mean apathy or disinterest. It doesn't mean that, you know, by praying for indifference, that we just don't care what happens either way. Instead, it means that we become indifferent to anything but the will of God. That's the one thing that we want. So Ignatius taught that to the degree which we are open to any outcome or any answer from God is the degree to which we are ready to really hear what God has to say. So if we're clutching or overly attached to one outcome versus another, or uh, we, we have this desire that God has to answer it a certain way, we're very likely that we won't hear God clearly. Our spiritual ears will be deafened by all of the noise of our disordered loves, our fears, our attachments. And in all of these ways, it, it's almost a certainty that instead of praying and coming to God's will, that we're going to confuse our will with God's will. And we're gonna be in this battle during our prayer time of trying to convince God to get on board with us 
versus us discerning what it is that the Spirit wants who's already praying in agreement with the will of the Father. So we pray the prayer of indifference with the desire to reach the point of indifference. And so this is uh, what this sounds like. I pray for the ability, I pray for the grace to be able to honestly say, every time I pray, I wanna honestly be able to say, Father, I am indifferent to every outcome except your will. I want nothing more or less than your desire for what I do as your child. Now, this, this is the prayer of indifference. Again, it's not indifferent to anything or just apathy. It's saying, I'm indifferent to anything but your will. I am so passionate, so desiring to do what you want and accomplish your purpose that I, I am freely letting go of every other thing so that I can make sure that my heart and my mind and my, my loves only attach to what matters most to you. And so that's how I can, one way that I can pray in alignment with the Spirit is that I pray for indifference and I pray the prayer of indifference that I might become indifferent to anything other than the Father's will. The other way that I can pray in agreement with the Spirit is by praying in a spiritual tongue or language. And this is presented to us in 1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 4. Uh, let me read that. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, the context for this, instructions, uh, this instruction out of 1 Corinthians 14 is Paul's giving uh, the, the church in Corinth a, a, a teaching about how to, when they get together, how to properly use spiritual gifts because they were, they were kind of a spiritual train wreck that multiple tongues without interpretation, prophesying, lack of discernment, lack of people uh, listening to one another, certainly a lack of love. Uh, and so Paul's addressing this issue of tongues and prophecy. And uh, they had tongues without it being interpreted. And, and Paul's saying, listen, here's how you should do it when you get together. Now, they used tongues, lots of them, but they used it to affirm spiritual maturity and growth. So in other words, because I speak in tongues, I'm more mature than you. <laughs> and they were way out of whack. Uh, Paul says the real uh, line or, or measurement of spiritual maturity is love to the degree that you love. And so he said, listen, church in Corinth, you got it, you got it wrong. So he was bringing correction to them uh, around all this tongue speaking, not being edifying because they, they were speaking over and they weren't interpreting and they weren't lifting one another up. So he said, when you get together, desire gifts that edify one another. So this is an admonishment of how to encourage one another. So when he's talking about this, he says, this is how you encourage one another. But let me be clear on this, in this passage, this is not a prohibition against speaking in tongues or to suggest that tongues is not a useful gift. That is not at all, uh, and it couldn't ever be interpreted that Paul is trying to say that through this passage. Quite the opposite, just a little while later, in a couple of verses later, he says, I wish you all would speak in tongues. 
He says, in fact, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul is passionate. He, he is very much in favor of tongues within the body of Christ, within the church. And he says, I, I wish you all would desire this gift and function in this gift, just as he says, as I do. So this instruction isn't against tongues. It's Paul saying, hey, when you're together, use the right tool for the job. Uh, don't be pounding everything with a hammer, but make sure that when you're together, you use those things that build up and edify the body. So if you're edifying the body, then prophesy or speak in a tongue that has an interpretation so that you can be unified in your understanding and built up together. But what we're talking about is praying in agreement with the Spirit, and that's exactly what tongues does. That's where tongues really comes in and a way that helps us to pray in agreement with the Holy Spirit. So tongues empowers us to speak mysteries. This is what one of the things that uh, this passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says. Tongues empowers us to speak mysteries of the Spirit, and it builds up the person who is speaking. So those two things is part of what the gift of tongues does. And so when it's not interpreted, it's not intended to edify everybody, but it does speak mysteries of the spirit. And when we think of mysteries, it's things not known to our understanding, but they are spiritual things that are unfolding and out of the spirit and they're spoken. And so this is really a phenomenal, it's such a beautiful gift, and that these are things not understood by us, but they pass through our mental process, beyond our mental process, they come from the Spirit and they're spoken out through human voice. So we're taking things of the Spirit and we're entering them into the here and now, not because we understand it, but because the Spirit is speaking utterances through us. So in this scenario, I don't know what I'm praying, but I can be confident that it's aligned with the Spirit of God. The reason being is because it's coming from the Spirit of God. It's not with my mental understanding. It's not with my attitudes and actions. It bypasses my mental understanding, and it is a spirit who is the Spirit who is praying through me. So I have confidence that he's praying in alignment with God. And so that's one aspect of it as I'm speaking these mysteries in the spirit. And the other is that it's building up the one who is speaking in the tongue. And so that's the second aspect that Paul points to in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, we, we don't understand it collectively, but it's mysteries spoken of the spirit and it's building up the speaker. So you won't be edified by my speaking because you don't have understanding. And we won't be in unity around what I'm speaking because we don't have understanding without interpretation, but it will build me up. It's, and the, the term here, it's like a, a house being built stone upon stone. I won't even have mental understanding what I'm speaking, but I will be built up in my spiritual man or spiritual woman as I speak in this other language or in this tongue. So it helps me in my spiritual life. So. This is, this is another way I can pray in the spirit, but I can pray in my understanding too. And I found this to be true, that sometimes if I don't know what to speak, one of the things that I can do is I begin to, and what to pray, I begin to pray in tongues. I begin to pray in my spiritual language. And over time, I may not have the interpretation readily, 
But I begin to get an impression. I find that this is a way that draws me in relationship with the Spirit in such a way that in time it seems that it helps me in my prayer life as well because I find that I'm praying about things that in my mental understanding I wasn't praying before. And it's as the Spirit prays through me. So that's another way. One more way that I want to highlight that we can pray in agreement with the Spirit is by praying using divine insight. And so this is through a spiritual impartation of a word or a particular uh, insight or wisdom that's given. And it's another spiritual gift. It's a gift that uh, Scripture talks about, word of knowledge or word of wisdom. When we pause and listen to the Holy Spirit, and we wait upon him and we ask for him to give discernment and to give understanding, there are times where, and this, is, this happens often within the church, he will impart maybe a single word, he might impart a sentence, uh, he might even impart an image that begins to help us to know how to, how to pray. And as we pray, or as we begin to hear more as, as this unfolds before us, we can even begin to pray more and get more clarification. Sometimes when we're praying, if we're praying for another individual, that word or sentence or image can help them. It may mean something to them. And so they can tell us, yes, this, that, that image that you had uh, of a suitcase. <laughs> um, I've been telling God that I'm tired, you know, of, of wandering so much and I've been away from him and and I've just felt like this traveler you know so I'm giving you this scenario sometimes how this plays out and so that image of you just sharing about a suitcase is exactly how I felt distant and traveling away from God so it can help in my prayer I can be, then have understanding okay so God sees you and he sh had me share this image with you so I would know how to pray for you so this is a divine insight, a spiritual impartation of a word or a picture or a sentence that, again, allows me to pray, allows uh, me to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit as I pray. And, and so the reason these things are so important, and, and I want to highlight this, is because Jesus is praying in perfect alignment with what the Father wants. And it's important that I can recognize and that I know that I can also be in alignment with the Spirit in prayer. That it doesn't have to just be me kind of wandering around spiritually hoping that I'm praying the right thing. I can actually get in step with the Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to pray through me. He's going to lead me in prayer. And the Holy Spirit prays the will of the Father, just as Romans 8 says. And, and so we can experience these things ourselves. Uh, again, three ways that we pray. We pray for indifference so that we can desire nothing but the will of the Father. We can pray with spiritual tongue or spiritual language and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us, not with our understanding, but with spiritual mysteries and build us, build us up in our prayer. And then we can also pray through divine insight uh, as uh, it's imparted to us, uh, impartation of a word or spiritual insight as the Spirit uh, imparts it to us. And, and so these are all ways that we too, just like as Jesus did, we can walk in step with the Spirit as we pray. Well, let's go back and finish our time together um, looking at Jesus's prayer. And I want us to finish with our agreement with 
uh, his prayer. So almost like we're in the prayer meeting with Jesus and he's praying this out and so that we can agree with him and say, yes, amen, Father, we want this, we desire this. Um, here are the things that Jesus prayed for with the disciple. There are three main ones. He prayed a lot, but I want to pull out three main ones uh, and what he prays for us by extension of our following him as modern day disciples. First is Jesus prays that the revelation of his life with the Father will help you remain. So he repeated over and over, Lord, you know, they know the disciples, these whom you've given me, they know that I am from you. Uh, they know that I'm, I'm here not of my own accord, my own purposes, but I'm here because I come from you and now I'm going to you. And so this is important for, as he prays for them, he says, you know, my prayer is that this understanding will help them as they move forward, that they'll remember that they're not following just some man, some rabbi who had good teaching, but they will remember that they were following the one who came from the Father and did the Father's will. And that same prayer extends to you and I. May we remain, Jesus' prayer for us, may we remain as we remember who he is, the Son of God, the one who came from heaven to earth. He is the I am in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. May this revelation help us to remain with him. Secondly, Jesus prays that his disciples, really his church, will live as one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is a critical part. Jesus says over and over, Lord, Father, you and I are one. May they be one as we are one. May they be in me and in you as I am in you and, and I'm in, in them as well. And he continually speaks of this circle, this union that they are experiencing. He with the Father, but also he introduces or pulls the disciples into this. And this is his prayer. May we, the church, live as one with one another so that we can be in union as a church, one, living in oneness, which then we fill in that oneness with the Father and the Son. And so this is really the fullness of the picture. We talk about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit making up the Trinity. But again, remember the Holy Spirit within his church, his body. And so we're drawn into this by way of the Spirit being within us in as much as we are unified as his people, as his body, we get, we get to be participants and we get to engage in this union or this oneness that exists between the Father, Son, Spirit and the church by way of being in the Spirit. And this is Jesus's prayer. He says, listen, by pointing to this idea that the, the father and son are not fractured and split. They are one together. And Jesus says, in this oneness, I have glorified you. And he points to the disciples in his prayer for the disciples and us today is, listen, church, be one. Don't be divided. Get past uh, those bitterness and anger and malice and all of these things that would separate you. Because when you're separated, you don't point to the glory of God. You point to the fallenness of mankind, of fractured living, of brokenness and mistrust. But when you function with forgiveness and grace and mercy and compassion, these are all things that flow from heaven to earth and are bestowed upon us by the Spirit. And Jesus' prayer is that we would reflect his radiant glory, a beautiful bride that is one for him 
and drawn together in this beautiful union of Father, Son, Spirit, and Church through the Spirit. Finally, Jesus has this prayer. Jesus prays that we will be preserved through trials and tribulations, through all the hardship that we'll experience in this world, but will not just be pulled out of it. This is, boy, this is a challenging one. Jesus says, listen, the, the evil one and the, the things that are coming in this world, uh, they're, they're just so difficult. He says, verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Listen, if Jesus isn't praying for us to be pulled out of the world, then by fulfilling the prayer means that we stay engaged in the world around us. We don't become part of it. He says they're separate from the world, my, my disciples, but they're in the world. And we've heard this. I think if you've been around the church at all, you've heard this idea. We are, you know, in the world, not of it. This is a common theme, a common saying, but this is so true. This is Jesus's prayer for us. He says, listen, I want my, my disciples, my followers, I don't want them to be pulled out of it. They are salt and light and they are the love of God and, and they are the picture of heaven and what it looks like as they bring the kingdom. So Jesus' prayer, he says, Father, I pray that you'll protect them because the evil one would seek to destroy them and the world would hate them and persecute them. But Father, don't take them out of it. My prayer is not that you take them out, but that you help them persevere and protect them from the evil one. This is the way of Jesus. This is what he experienced in, in speaking to us today and he prays for us today and his words echo into our lives that at times we would say, Lord, just, just take me out of it. Get me out of all of this. But you need to hear Jesus' prayer. He's interceding before the Father and saying, Father, you can help them persevere. Listen, Father of Jesus, you can make it. <laughs> You can have this, even through difficult times and the suffering and the hardships you're going through, you can and you will make it because Jesus is interceding for you before the Father and the Spirit is praying on point for you that you will make it. And you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it on my own strength, but you're going to make it because Jesus is praying for you. The Spirit is interceding and we're building one another up in oneness so that whatever, and I do mean whatever you're facing, whatever hardship, whatever persecution, whatever the world throws at you, whatever the enemy uses to try to destroy you, you, in Jesus Christ, you will persevere. You will be an overcomer. It will not overcome you. This is the promise. Jesus prays it and he prays on point. And what he prays for, it is done, it is accomplished. And so what our role is, is living out this prayer in agreement with him. Lord. While I may want to be taken out of it, I agree with you, don't take me out of the world. Don't take me out of all the circumstances I face. I pray that you will help me remain and not be destroyed or overcome by the evil one, but to remain with you and to carry on with you. This is our prayer. And this is what we commit to Jesus, to agree with him through the spirit with what he desires. This is a great spot for us to pause. Uh, this message is taking place on the first Sunday of the month. And so we share communion. And so we're gonna pause at this point, allow you to get the bread and the cup, and then we'll come back for a time of communion. We come with the bread and with the cup. And this is 
so appropriate as Jesus has prayed for us and the disciples, we look at that portion of scripture and we're reminded that he knows, he knows what we go through. He, he has experienced everything that, that we've gone through and he remained with the Father. And, and as we hold the bread and the cup, this is our invitation to join with him, to remain with him. And it's a reminder that we can. We, we don't have to get lost in all that we experience, but we can abide and continue to grow spiritually with him. So as you hold the bread, let's pray and receive all that he has for us. Lord, thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you that uh, you remained with the Father, his purpose and his calling for your life. And, and, it, and it encourages us, Lord, to remain on the path with you to stay with you through all of what we may, might face in life, whatever hardship, whatever trials, that we would not allow the enemy to distract us or overwhelm us. But we know, Lord, that you've prayed for us. We know that you've given us the Holy Spirit and we can make it. We can persevere because of what you've accomplished for us. And so as we receive the bread, we also recognize those who are joining with us that we're not in isolation, that we are part of a larger body, your people all over the world, Lord, who fellowship around this bread and around this cup. And so Lord, we receive it remembering that we're not alone and we wanna be in oneness and walk in unity with uh, other fellow Christians, Lord, as we know you and serve you. We thank you for your body and we're thankful that it's part of our life and our experience. Amen, receive the bread. This cup, Lord, of a new covenant that is based on your work. Lord, it is a cup that you welcome us into your family, Father, Son, Spirit, and Church. Lord, that you welcome us to be part of that union. And it's not because of our righteousness, but because of your atoning work that you covered over our sin, that you removed it from, uh, from us and from judgment falling upon us. And you received that judgment on the cross. So we thank you. We willingly, Lord, though we don't deserve it, we willingly take your righteousness and receive it and we place upon you, a place upon the cross, our unrighteousness so that we can be holy and one with you and made brought into fellowship with you. So thank you for this new covenant, Lord, we remember and that it helps us walk in union with you and with one another. Lord, thank you for your prayer for us. And we just say yes and amen. We're in agreement with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the cup. Now, as we conclude, I pray God's blessing upon you. May you feel encouraged and reminded that you can pray in step with the Spirit, that he's at work uh, in speaking and praying through you and leading you in your times of prayer. And may you receive the prayer that Jesus has prayed for us in John 17, that we would remain with him through all that we might face, that we would be part of his family, that we would keep in step and abiding with him and experience the fullness of life that he has to offer. God bless you as you experience it. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. 
If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.